Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Julia Lynn. Julia was a childhood diabetic, which led to kidney failure, heart disease, retinopathy, and nerve damage. At age 34, she required a double organ transplant. 14 years later, a triple cardiac bypass then her thyroid was removed all of this before the age of 50 at 62 julia decided to get in the best shape of her life by the 30th anniversary of her life-saving organ organ transplant within two and a half years she was competing on stage in npc bikini master's bodybuilding competitions. She continued to train five times a week in the gym and is eager to compete again as she nears age 66. Julia is a seasoned university professor of 40 plus years and holds certification from the International Sports Sciences Association as a personal trainer. She has completely transformed her body and her health. Wow, that is amazing. And now Julia adds author to her bio. Welcome, Julia. How are you today? Oh, thank you, Terry. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So let's start with your new book, My Power Decade. It tells your story. So let's start by telling my audience about the book and why you wrote it. Yeah, My Power Decade is really a kind of a fitness memoir, or you could call it a body memoir, because I think a lot of women that grew up in our age group, in our era as baby boomers, the messages we got about our bodies started really young. And the sort of the expectations put on women in terms of beauty ideals, being thin, looking a certain way, it was tremendous pressure. And we didn't have the internet, it was just fashion magazine. So it's only gotten worse for young women today. But what I realized is that a lot of what I went through reconciling how my body was not functioning as a mm -hmm. childhood diabetic, how it didn't do what I needed it to do, even though I took excellent care of myself, I was pretty much, I was a survivor. I mean, I pretty much took care of myself from 11 on. Once my parents saw, oh, she's, she can take insulin she can take an insulin shot once a day. She's not complaining. She's got it covered. They basically let me take care of myself. And in a way, I never really had any oversight. Even the doctor I went to was a friend of my parents. And those visits were so worthless because it was a social visit. Mm. So what I did was I really researched as I got older, how can I take better care of my body? How can I and of course, I tried all kinds of diets because when you have too much insulin in your system, your body holds on to fat. And I would go from taking one shot a day to wearing an insulin pump to doing six shots a day. And I often say, wow. my arms alone have had 40,000 insulin shots injected. Oh my that. gosh, that yeah. is horrible. Just my arm. Wow. <laughs> I also used my thighs and, and a little bit of my glute, but yeah. So oh my gosh, it was the only way I knew to take care of myself was to try and match the insulin with my eating and then, you know, try and balance that all out. Right. And it never worked. My body never responded. I was a brittle diabetic. So by the time I was in my late twenties, my doctors were saying, your kidneys are failing and you're probably going to need dialysis in 10 years. And I just thought, nah, not me. I just thought, no, that's not happening. Right. Um, and then it did happen. And so the book is really about how I went from having a body that was out of control, that I couldn't, wouldn't respond to all the care I gave it 
to getting this organ transplant that saved my life because they told me I would not live past 40, even on dialysis. Mm. And they told me if we we can give you an experimental kidney pancreas transplant, but you could die on the operating table afterwards because I had heart disease. Right. I just thought I'm not living anymore with diabetes. I made the choice with my husband to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get the transplant. And so the book, My Power Decade, is really about how I came into my 60s and I had started bodybuilding and it was so powerful that everything I did in the gym, all the nutritious food that I ate, my body responded. It was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Astounding. And I have to say that all the messages I got about my body compounded by being a diabetic, compounded by having poor health, compounded by growing up in the 70s, you know, being born in the late 50s, growing up the 60s and 70s and the 80s. Nothing in our diet culture helped me at all. It was a toxic situation that was not based on health. It wasn't based on reality. So in my book, I tell from the beginning to actually writing my family, my donor family, a letter thanking them for the gift of life. Um, Mm. Gina was my organ donor. And all along the way, I have a period after each chapter where I reflect on what happened to me. And and I just kind of look at it now from a six, I'm 66. So I look at it now from that perspective. And then I have journal prompts because I want the reader hopefully women in my age group, our age group to read this and go, damn, I see myself. I I had the same experience and I want them to be able to look at their own lives and see the erroneous messages we've gotten, how diet culture has really messed up our mindsets, has Mm -hmm. made us feel not beautiful, has Mm -hmm. made us feel not good enough, has made us feel worthless, not deserving, And even growing up as a child, women were still being treated like the weaker sex compared to men. So the messages we got from our parents just were kind of like, and God bless them, they did the best they could. That was a different era. But my power decade is really about, you are so kick-ass awesome when you're 50 (laughs) plus, honestly. I call women queenagers. And I feel like once you get into menopause, that's God's gift to you to say, we're not going to worry about that anymore. Let's just really treat this body well, because you've got stuff to do. It's you. If you live to, if I live to 96, I got right. 30 more years of life. Left. That's exactly why I started the podcast. I there said, what go. am I going to do just retiring for 30 years? That makes no sense to me. So, you know, I'm now transitioning. I'm still doing a little bit of real estate, but once I get to Florida, that'll be over and it'll just be taking better care of myself and doing my podcast and having fun, increasing the fun level a lot, but I'll be able to have more time to take care of myself too, because obviously I haven't done as good a job. And like you said, the messages we have gotten are horrible. The diets that have been pushed down our throats don't work. Don't work. They're not the right information. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only supported a diet industry who's not interested in your health. Absolutely. They're not not interested in you losing weight and keeping it off. They want you to keep coming back. Like, let me ask, how many times have some of your listeners joined Weight Watchers, okay? I oh, some of them are lifetime members. They're just always there. Always. But, but it's a back and, you know, they'll Oh, gain, yeah, back and forth. They lose, they gain, they lose. Yeah, and then yeah. they're back. Yeah, it's horrific. It, it really is. is. It totally is. And, it, and I just true. feel like, you know, our bodies are asking for something different as we spend more time in them. And yes. you don't have to... You can't blame aging on your aches and pains. Blame your mm-hmm. lifestyle on your aches and, and pains. Unless you have a chronic disease that you're living with that, you know, and I know there's a lot of women that have faced breast cancer and uterine cancer and rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmune disease and all of these kinds of things that seem like 
insurmountable obstacles, but you can still take care of your body even when it's sick. Because who wants to be 65, 70 and not be able to walk to the bathroom by yourself? Exactly. Right. Like not to be able to do anything but sit on the couch and watch TV. I to me that's hell. That would be like I've died and gone to hell. <laughs> you know, me but, too. Me too. But I Absolutely. can't use my body. This is a gift. Your body yes. is a gift. And I think the more you move, the better you feel. I mean, I had cancer at 66. Bless I had you. lymphoma. I went through chemo. I came back out. Uh, and then I had a hip replacement at like 68. And I just kept moving the whole time. I walked. I took my walks. When I lost my hair, I put my hat on so you couldn't tell. And out I went. And I just kept pushing through it because I did feel better when I was moving. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. So you can't baby yourself and like, oh, poor me. But in fact, I was doing real estate when I was having chemo and I would just put my wig on and I would go marching out and nobody even knew. And yeah. I didn't tell them because I didn't want them to say, oh, I can't call Terry today. She's having a chemo treatment or she might be tired or she no. Mm -hmm. So no one knew. And I just kept up my and I was tired. I really was. But I kept moving. That's yeah. the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and you also. Terry had the mindset of I can do this. Yes. Right. Yes. Like I can do this. And I yes. am so grateful that I had these challenges as a young person because at now, at this point in my life, I can do friggin' anything. You Nothing's can. gonna stop me. <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop me. It's like organ transplant, double organ transplant. Right. Yeah. You know, saw get sawed open and have a surgeon handle your heart and get a triple bypass. Yeah. No yeah. Right. So, you know, the excuses that we tell ourselves that women tell themselves, oh, I can't lose weight. I my thyroid, this and that. And I get a lot of messages. God love them on Instagram about I go to the gym all the time. I go to the gym three days a week. I eat healthy and I can't lose this 20 to 30 pounds. And I think. Well, then do something different if it's not working. Right. Doing the right thing by your body. And what does it mean to go to the gym three times a week? Do you walk on the treadmill for 15 minutes and go home? Right. I and you know, yes, you've got to be building muscle and strengthening your core and everything else at the gym. But I think a lot of women just do the easy exercises well, they, and then they, they feel like I did it. I was there. Right. And and they, they some are afraid they're going to look like men, which is ridiculous. It Any is ridiculous. That, that lifts weights and has a musculature, has musculature and a physique like a man, she takes drugs to get that. She takes steroids to get that way. Yeah, Don't absolutely. Naturally, you know, go that way. And then a lot of women will say, oh, I eat organic. I eat healthy. But they end up eating three times what their body needs. It's like not what you're eating. It's the amount you're eating. Yes. They wonder why I'm not healthy. Why am I overweight? Why? So there's this. That's the other thing about being in a power decade where you've got a lot of experience. You've tried a lot of things. Now it's time to really research what's going to work for you and try. When women say, I don't know where to start. To me, that's the biggest excuse in the world. It is. We have the internet, right? Use your right. fingers. Google, where do you start? What? Do some research. I mean, Terry, you remember, we used to have to walk to the library. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about when I was 19 and I wanted to go to Hawaii <clears throat> on vacation. I wrote letters to the hotel to book my stay. And they wrote back to me, okay, you're booked for two rooms and blah, blah, blah. That's the way you did it. And I yeah. got their name from the library. Yeah. I went to the library. That's the way we operated back then. So I totally remember that. <laughs> right, right. It, things were not, were not immediate. Now that yeah. they're immediate, everyone thinks it all has to be immediate but right. you know and i always tell my husband when he does something he's 70 and when he says something that really you know sort of reveals his advanced age <laughs> i always say to him oh don't be that old man right, right. like 
don't complain about those kids next door smoking pot and we can smell all that. Like, don't be that. Just let them be. Remember when you were like. <laughs> exactly. Now, now I'm a little offended, Julia, because I'm turning 73 next month. So I guess I'm really old. <laughs> no, it's still. No, I say that to him. Yeah, because he's acting like an old man. Yeah. Acting like a 90-year-old is what he's yes. acting like. He's not <laughs> acting like a 70-year-old. And he's very, very active. He rides his bike. Oh, good he's for a, him. Yeah, he's a cyclist. He rode his bike from, we wow. lived in Florence, Italy one summer, and he rode his bike from Amsterdam down to Florence in two weeks with nothing on his back but oh his my goodness change of clothes and some food and and all along the way i followed him on gps we would figure out where he was going to stop that night i'd find him an airbnb he'd check in he'd get up the next morning and keep going it was oh my gosh I'm so proud of him he was actually 65 at that at that time and right so we're both very i would say we revel in having bodies that work, that we right. can go out and enjoy nature and be active. And there's no reason that has to stop. No. But now me, I was never an exerciser. My family never exercised. They weren't into sports. So I had to change my whole mindset. Yeah. So when I got cancer, I started thinking, well, you got cancer partly because you're not doing something you need to do. So I did. I changed my exercise routines. I changed my eating habits. I started using like essential oils and I started meditating more. Like I knew I had to change things or it's coming back. Like yeah. if you think you're going to sit in that chair and they're going to give you chemo and you go home and everything's fine. No, if yeah. you don't change something, it will be back because yeah. your body created that to be. I knew I was full of toxins that I had to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at exercise and things differently. So now I really do want to use my body and I feel better. But when I was younger, I didn't. I just, you know, it wasn't even a thought pattern. I just thought yeah. your body stayed healthy by itself. But it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, up until about 30, it does. And then it starts picking yeah. up with you. And I read that we lose 3% of our muscle mass every year after age 50. And yep. I did grow up in an athletic family. I swam competitively. I was a cheerleader. I was wow. a track runner. And But the diabetes always got in the way. It just, it was difficult to be active and try and balance my blood sugar. And I come from a sports loving family. Even my 54 year old brother, um, is he 54 or 52? I think he's maybe, well, what is he? 50? He's 55. He's 55. Oh, okay. He's a marathon runner. That's great. He's 55. Yeah. And it wasn't. And my mom was a, she used to get up at 5 a.m. and go swim the pool before she got us up to go to school. And then. Wow. Until the day she, well, that wasn't the day she died because she went into hospice for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But even before that, she had to go to the emergency room with, with congestive heart failure. She was walking two miles a day. Oh, wow. Her, Good in for her. her. Mid to late 80s. And I think part of it was she had a tremendous amount of energy and she needed to use it. I mean, yes. she raised... She had six kids and mm. she raised five and lost one. And I just feel like my mom, because she was a mother and had so many children, she was always on. This is the thing about women also that have kids. They are the amazing ones in our society. They raise right. kids. They, I mean, I have so much respect for my mom now, what she went through because of my health. I wasn't able to have children. Right. But I just look around at my friends that do, my siblings, my what my mom did, and even women today that are working and they have kids and they still work out. It's like, well, even back when I, I have four children and wow. I had my first at like 22, my last at 27. So wow. I had them very close together and that yeah. messed up my body a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I was racing after them. I worked part time and took care of the house and the kids. And we moved a couple of times. I was always on. I mean, I would be up working till 12 o'clock at night. Then I'd get up at six in the morning to take care of the kids See, all over again. You're one so, of those women, the kick ass woman. <laughs> 
woman. Yep. Oh, yep. My God. yep. Yes. I remember those days. They were rough. They were very rough. Yeah. But look at the skill sets it gives you today and look at the warrior mindset it gives you that you went through cancer and you're like, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to no. go out and sell houses. I'm not going to let people. And right. the one thing I've always done is when I'm going through a difficult time medically, mm-hmm. the only one that knows I'm suffering is my husband. Mm-hmm. I don't talk about it. I don't tell people about it. I don't complain about it. And then after I've past the mark of, okay, I'm on my healing journey, I'm feeling better, then I can talk about it because I sort of reflect on everything I learned from being that sick, you know? And when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to get that perspective. But the last thing I will ever do is share that, the hard part of that journey when I'm on the journey with anybody other than my husband. It's like, I I just cocoon. I need my energy. I need to just protect myself. And thank God I've got, you know, a husband of 34 years. He's just Mm. makes me live in a safe, safe place. I mean, he just takes care of me. So he's also responsible for me living this long. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not just my donor. Right. He, he, He as well. Yeah. Mindset is everything. Like whenever anything happens to me, I say, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because there's always like even the cancer, I didn't go, oh, why me? Oh my gosh. I said, okay, there's a lesson here. What is it? And to me, my lesson was you're not taking care of yourself. You're not taking care of your body. Mm -hmm. You need to regroup and rethink. So I did. I did do that. So anytime anything happens, that's my attitude. What am yeah. I supposed to learn? What do I have to change to move on? Because yeah. I want to be around to be 96, 100, whatever. Yeah. But I want to be in good physical and mental shape. Right, right. And that's the thing where people, they don't want longevity if it's not going to be no. an easy ride. And so, you know, I, I, I remember my mom just giving up, like when she went to the hospital with the congestive heart failure and she refused yep. to go to the doctor, even though she was short of breath. I could tell she had advanced heart disease because I had it. She had all my symptoms, Oh wow! but she wouldn't go to the doctor. And then she had a heart event, a heart attack, mm-hmm. went in the hospital and they basically told her, you know, we'll need to put you in hospice care. There's really nothing we can do at this point. You're, you're, we, we can't do anything. And that's when I could see she just, she gave up, but in a good way. She was like, okay, she was at peace with that. Yes. She she knew that she didn't want to try and live longer in a body that wasn't going to work well. She didn't no. want to have heart surgery. And she ended up, you know, she was a very devout Christian. So at, even on her deathbed we we all the whole family was there for weeks and weeks while she went through this transition and she just kept saying i'm really excited to see what heaven looks like i mean good for her i love that (laughs) it was an amazing experience and and my mom was a tough cookie she was not emotional she didn't like feelings she didn't like overt displays of emotion right yet she was so softened on her in her hospice experience that you know we really got to see a side of her that was always there but right. she covered it with toughness because her generation our parents generation yes grew up with a completely different set of circumstances and expectations yep. especially the women and we have to give them compassion we have to give them kudos we have to give them respect for what yes. they had to go through. Yes, absolutely. And they did, they yep. did their best. They, they did. did. Like, we try and do our best for the next generation. Right. Yeah. And now my mother had 11 children. Whoa. 11. So, you know, she, her body was really beat up. She had 11 children in like 10 and a half years. Whoa. Because there were like lots of Irish twins in the beginning that were born in 10 months. So, yeah. you know, less than a year apart. So, wow. yeah, she had no twins, 
but she had 11 children in 10 and a half years. So, and she really worked hard. Now, again, she was that mindset. You don't go to the doctors. So she got cancer. She waited too long. Had Mm -hmm. she gone earlier, they could have taken care of it and she would have been fine. She waited too long and she wound up dying at like 64, really young. Really. Wow. Wow. So that was sad for all of us. Yeah. Uh, I was the only one that had grandchildren for her already. My other, cause I'm one of the older ones. So the younger ones didn't have their kids yet. So it was very sad, but that was the mindset of her generation. Do- you don't go to the doctor unless you really, really have to. And she knew something was wrong. And even at that point, well, the other thing that happened to her is one of her best friends went into the hospital um, for a hysterectomy and died afterwards. She got, um, um, urine poisoning or something and died a horrible, horrible death. So that was in her mind too. I'm not going to the doctor because I might die, but then she wound up dying anyway. So it was very sad, but that a lot of women of her age, that was their mindset. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really incredible. I think to be a woman and live a life where yeah. you have to deal with certain expectations and ideas. And we get so much of that downloaded in childhood from our mothers. And to me, when I work with um, women to get fit, I work so much with mindset and we try and uncover those things that they believe about themselves that aren't true. True. They just picked it up from mom, messages from mom. And it wasn't, you can't, you can't, be angry with your mom. No, she she had her own set of circumstances. And, you know, my mom was really, she just didn't give me the love I needed. She gave it in a way she could. I didn't recognize it as having value. But as I got older, I realized because of the way she was, Mm -hmm. she made me so strong because if I couldn't rely on her emotionally, physically or mentally, right? And do it myself. I did it myself. And I realized that if she had been if she had babied me my whole life and coddled right. me, which she, was not her style, I'd be a different person. I may not have survived a double organ transplant. You I might not have. Said, I don't have it in me to, to face this. But I had it in me to face diabetes at age 11 and realize no one's going to take care of me but me. And yeah. That made so strong. So I'm so grateful to her. And even on her, you know, her last day on earth, I slept in her hospice room overnight. None of us wanted her to be alone at night. Right. right. But no one really wanted to be there. I think they were afraid of death. I don't know. And I'm really comfortable with death because. Yeah, me too. I faced it twice. You faced it with cancer. It's like. It doesn't hold fear for me, but I was with her and I realized all that was left when she took her last breath was love between her and I. And yes, that that's in my book too, like the Mm. whole mother daughter relationship. And speaking of women, again, I lived in Saudi Arabia for four years and my husband and I had to actually let go of friendships of people who would be like, how can you live there? Women are so oppressed, la, la, la. Those four years in Saudi were the most amazing four years of my life. That culture is warm and deep and spiritual. And the people are amazing. And the women are amazing. And they are not oppressed any more than women are oppressed anywhere. It just looks different there because it's a different culture. So everyone's like, Oh, my God, oh, my God, it's, it's not like that. They have an incredible amount of freedom. If anything, they're overprotected, they are cherished, yes, and overprotected by their brothers, their husbands, their fathers, and it looks like control. Mm -hmm. The women have the control. Believe (laughs) me, they have the control. It's like, you are crazy. If you think they now, when you look at other cultures in the Middle East that that are more hardline and whatever, yeah, there's like terrible oppression. But I did not find that in Saudi Arabia at all. And I got so tired of people laying their 
idea on top of that that I right. just thought I need to write about this too. I need to tell you about the women you I do. Who yes. are second wives? Like, what does that mean? You're somebody's second wife. Well, the first wife, my one friend, the first wife was in a car accident when her kids were toddlers. She became a vegetable and her husband did not want to put her in a home, did not want to divorce her. So he mm -hmm. kept her at home with nursing care. He took a second wife, my friend, and my friend takes care of the first wife. I mean, it's that kind of second That's wife. That's amazing. Wow. Is. And everybody thinks, oh, it's a man that just takes wit. You know, I'm sure that goes on too. But yeah, but the stories are more about how women are truly treated with respect and love and care in a way we don't see in our society. Yeah, we don't, we don't see it. And so women everywhere to me want the same thing. We want love. We want security. We want our family to be healthy. We want to be happy. We want our family and kids to be happy. It's no different anywhere. I don't care what culture, African, Asian, Middle Eastern, European, South American, Canadian, whatever. It's the same everywhere. I totally agree. I went to Germany at 20 and stayed for a year because my mother was from Germany, came over here when she was 14. Wow. So I went back. Now, her whole family came over eventually, but I met some of the people that were with my grandmother during World War II, mm. and they were amazing women, and those were amazing stories. So yeah. I really connected with them when I was over there, and I was so thankful mm. that I had the chance to meet these women before they passed away. So yeah. it was an amazing time. And I learned that, yeah, Germ now Germany's more a country like the United States, but I became a very aware that everyone wants the same thing. We yeah. all want the same thing. So yeah. I became aware of that at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. And as a professor, because I taught, I've taught in, in the US, um, but I've also taught in Mexico, and then I taught in Saudi Arabia. And I've had international students when I've taught in the U.S. from the Pacific Rim. So we're talking Taiwan, China, Japan, Korea. Wow. They all want the same things. Everybody wants the same thing. And we, look at, those, we look at other cultures and we, 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 we tag them as the other. They're different than me. They are not different. And They're especially not. The women. Absolutely. Women have this amazing role in the world to bring life into the world. If that's not powerful, I don't know what else, like giving birth, even yep. though I haven't given birth and there's other women that have not had children, those of us that haven't given birth to actual children, we've given birth to a lot of other things because we're creators. Yes. Women are creators and- Absolutely. It's very powerful, it does. Yeah. It's funny because I interviewed a man in Thailand when I first started my podcast and he married a woman from Thailand and he just emailed me that she passed away and he oh. is heartbroken. Mm -hmm. Just hard. He actually immigrated to Thailand to be with her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were married, I think, for at least 30 years. But he's just like he said, I have to be strong for my my children and my grandchild. They're, you know, all, all women. He has three daughters and one female grandchild. So mm -hmm. I have to be strong for them, but he lost the love of his life. And that only goes to show, you know, he came from another country, moved to Thailand. And I had someone here that I sold real estate to. Um, same thing. He was American. She was from Thailand. They eventually moved back to Thailand to be near her family. And that's where they still are today. So I've gotten to meet all these people. And, and that just shows you how we're all like. Well, we are. And I, I think a lot of what I approach my life with, and even with women I work with, I talk to that part of them from that part of me. Yeah. Is the, the highest part that, that we are, our higher self. And, you know, we wear these different, I call it soul chariots. It's like our bodies are just our bodies, but right. who you are inside truly is, is the real you. And, and that is what can, it's not just that we're all the same in terms of we want the same things, but I truly believe we're all connected on a higher level. And when you, you know, send out negativity in the world, 
you're only hurting yourself. I think it was, maybe yes. it was Buddha or Rumi said, you know, when you have anger against another person and you have resentment and you send them bad vibes, it's like you drinking poison and expecting that person to die. It's so true. And, you know, you hear a lot of people that have had people close to them murdered and they have forgiven the and they've done it and they say, I'm doing it for me because I can't live with that anger. I am forgiving. I will never like totally forgive what they did, but I'm forgiving them because I have to, so I can help myself. And that's totally why they do it. Absolutely. You're only poisoning yourself by holding that in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's about, you know, it doesn't make whatever happened okay. It just no, means no. that it doesn't, it no longer controls you. And I think these are some of the perspectives that women gain and some of the, the wisdom that we gain. And there's a lot of wisdom to be gained. And a lot of women, I'd say all women 50 plus have an amazing reservoir of wisdom and where they don't use it is with their body and their health yes. yep. and their nutrition. They don't, they take care of everyone else, but they don't take care of themselves. And this is one thing I really work with, with my, with the women that are in my program is we really dial in the mindset and we really get to that point where you can't take care of other people. If you don't feel well, you can't give from an empty cup. That's you right. To take care of your body, take care of your nutrition and it, you know, some women feel much better with 20 pounds on their body. They're curvier. They feel better that way. Right. Other women want to be way down where maybe they, what they weighed in college, which is fine too, but you have to be willing to sacrifice and, and learn new habits. So they become second nature and it doesn't feel like it's a deprivation or a restriction. So I really advocate for doing it slowly and yes. smartly with common sense, nothing extreme, stay consistent, keep doing it, concentrate on the vision you want to live. Don't set a goal a year from now, which is very, puts a lot of pressure on you, but right. live in that consciousness of who you truly are right now and start making choices every day right? that are going to support that vision. And that includes the nutritious food and weightlifting, honestly, is the only that's that cracked the code for me on getting a physique that yes. I love. Yes, it wasn't cardio. Cardio right. is great for aerobic fitness. We need it. I do maybe thirty minutes four times a week. That's it. Walking, right. nothing extreme. That's all you need, right? That's all you need. And yep. then the weightlifting, five times a week, forty-five minutes. You could do it thirty minutes five times. Wow. A week. It changes your physique. It changes the way your body metabolizes food. It changes everything. But if you don't fix your nutrition, yes, you're wasting then, your time. You're wasting, right. you know, that's why women that say, oh, I go to the gym and I eat healthy, but nothing's happening. You know, you can become a client of mine and we will make things happen. But right. if you sometimes if you it think, needs the smallest little tweak to make things happen. Really? Right. Sometimes it's only a little. One thing I want to mention about weightlifting, I interviewed another coach who does weightlifting and nutritional. She said that they found a connection between Alzheimer's and your brain. And when yeah. you lift weights, it does something to your brain that is very, very healthy. So that's something we have to keep in mind. And, you know, women are so afraid of lifting weights. I don't know why. It's not a hard thing, but that's something we really need to look at for our brains and our bones. Right, right. And one thing that, that cracks me up is when women say, I just want to tone. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? You just right. want to tone. <laughs> you don't, either you have muscle or you don't have muscle. Right. Okay? Toning is that it's actually a pretty, how can I say this nicely? <laughs> it's a pansy way of right. women going, I don't want to look like a man. I just want to tone. You know, muscles are sexy. It gives yes. you shape. If they're in the right. And I got to tell you, you just bought a red dress for a special occasion and you look 
fantastic and sexy in that dress at your age. So we all can do that if we want to. You looked great. So now people are going to have to go onto your website to see it. Ha ha. <laughs> it was actually bright pink, but I know which one you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. It looked red on my thing, but that's great. Bright pink is even better. I love that. Well, so tell know- us. Tell us where people can find you because I want them to go and look you up. They got to see how you looked in that dress. Yeah, well, that dress was, I won a transformation challenge in that dress. Just Did you? Mm. Yeah. But anyway, I have an Instagram account. Okay. It's it's dolphinine. And what that means is dolphin, the word dolphin, like the fish. Actually, it's not a fish. It's a mammal. Right. Dolphin, I-N-E. And I made that word up because I love dolphins and I was had a dream once I was in the body of a dolphin and it was so powerful I thought they're sleek they're powerful they're joyous they have strength I want to be like a dolphin dolphinine so that's how I came up with that wow Um, on Instagram and I also have um a website and it's kind of a long name but it's body beauty love life Dot com, And I really feel like that's the story of my life is learning that our bodies are beautiful. And when you feel well, you will love your life. And today on Instagram, I made a post on just how much I appreciate nurses, because they've had such a big impact on my healing journey whenever I've had these near death experiences. And I just feel like there's so many unsung heroes that help us along the way you know yes. we, don't, we don't do anything alone we don't mm-hmm. do anything alone there's always we have to always rely on the goodness of other people and i hope that i can be that for somebody else you know help yes. them with their life and feel better and just you know to be able to put on a dress like you're talking about and think Hey, I look pretty damn good, you know, or, or the right. husband, the husband's like, Oh my God, I have a trophy wife now. <laughs> anyway, it's just fun. But what the, but, but the real value is the level of health and getting up yes. every morning, knowing I can face whatever life wants to throw at me, right? There's going to be curveballs. I can handle it because I feel strong emotionally, physically, spiritually, that is true power. And every woman 50 plus has that opportunity, has that skill set, has that wisdom. You got to have the self-love. You have to have the self-love. It's true. It's true. If we don't love ourselves, we can't really give love to others. We need to start with loving ourselves first. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you have so much to give and share. So I encourage my audience to go to your website, find out about the programs, because sometimes we need someone to help us along the way and hold our hand. It's right. hard to do it all by yourself. It is. It yeah. is. And I, I must still, say, like, I still have a coach. Yeah. See that? A lot of people do. Yeah. It really does speed things up. Now, I am very, what the doctors consider overweight, like by a lot, but I am able to do whatever I need to do. I'm packing up my house. I'm moving heavy boxes by myself up and down the stairs. I have like 10,000 steps plus every day. And But when I get to Florida, I do want to get into better shape. I do want to start weightlifting because I have not. Well, I'm lifting boxes, so I'm doing some weightlifting now. But I do want to get into a formal program of weightlifting because I think that will bring me to a new level. It will. It definitely will. But, you know, Terry, part of it with you, too, which I just can tell from listening to you and talking to you is like you've got this mindset of can do. I'm doing this, you know, so. That gives you energy more and bypasses anything in your body that might try and hold you down. And it's women that don't have that attitude of, I can do this. Right. I feel great. I can, that they just sort of give up. So your your mindset is exactly what drives you in terms yes. of being able to do all this stuff. It's right. fantastic. It's so great. Right. I jumped off the Stratosphere Hotel in Las Vegas at age 66. What does that mean? So while they hook you into this suit and you're you're all completely hooked in, but you're on a platform and you have to jump off. 
Is it a bungee cord? It's not a bungee cord, but it kind of controls your going down. Oh, my God. But it's still scary because you're standing there looking at the Las Vegas skyline and they keep saying, "Okay, Terry, jump, jump. I go, oh, I'm not ready. I'm jump. (laughs) Took me a couple minutes to jump off. But once I jumped, everything was fine. So that taught me a big lesson, too. Once you take that first step, it falls into place every it was not scary at all. When I was standing up there, it was very, very scary. But the minute I stepped off the platform, everything was fine. Wow. So that message I want to give to women, too. You can do anything. Just take that first step and you can take it slow. You don't have to be in a hurry, but take that first step. It's very important. Yeah. The most power you have is to take action, period. Yes. Yes. And everything you want is on the other side of that fear. That's right. That's right. So that jumping off at 66 taught me a lot too. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And I was diagnosed with my cancer like six months later after I came home from that trip. But then I had that good, that attitude that if I could jump off there, I can do this, I can do anything. And then let me just take it as a teachable moment. What am I supposed to learn? And then there I was. And I lost my hair on my birthday. So on my 67th birthday, because I was diagnosed in May, my birthday's in July. So my hair was falling out on my birthday. So Mm -hmm. it was very sad because my hair's always been, I've always had great hair. So it was important to me and it was all falling out. So it was very upsetting. But again, I went, you know what? I'm going to get through it. And the nice thing is I used to color it like a blonde color and I loved it. I look great. I always looked like 20 years younger than I was, but once it fell out, it came back gray you can't hold totally see but it's gray now with some lighter highlights and i'm fine with it and it made it easy because it fell out so as it came in it came in gray i didn't have to grow it out and deal with those lines when the hair's growing out it was great and a lot of women did that during covid they started right right growing out their hair and they went gray a lot right. of women so right we're right. taking our power in the gray hair too we're fine That's- with it Right. That's right. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. You know, and and one of the things that I get asked so much, I I get asked a lot of stuff about my body. Have you had loose skin removed? Have you had a facelift? Have you had a tummy tuck? Have you had breast implants? The answer to all of those questions is no, 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 no. Oh, that's great. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. No, if a woman gets it done to feel better about herself. It's a Mm -hmm. personal choice, but I did not. And I, I have loose skin. I Mm -hmm. have crazy skin. I have wrinkles. I have, you know, so what I'm alive. You're alive. Right. Oh my God. And the whole, you know, but, and breast implants. No, it's when I compete in one of those bikini bathing suits that are made for competition. Right. know what a push-up bra does right right, right. absolutely like, I get implants it's the push-up bra anyway, <laughs> <There> you go <laughs> all kinds of illusion and all kinds of stuff like that so and the reason I say that is because honestly women see my physique and think I would like to be that fit but I don't want surgery I I don't want loose skin I they're so isn't that crazy that I've had that kind of help? And right. I'm like, no, I have not. Right. You can do it. I did it. You can do it. It's not reliant on a surgeon's knife. Right. It's just not. Right. I mean, your body changes. My entire face has changed since I got fit. I just look. It different. has because I looked at some of your pictures when you were younger and I'm like, wow. I know. You All do these- look so different. I do. All the inflammation is gone because I would carry it in my upper body, in my face, in my chest. And all that inflammation is gone and it reveals the bone structure. My features look different. No, I've not had a facelift. It's all due to proper nutrition and weightlifting and minimal cardio. That's That's great. Yeah. So I want women to know that you don't, I haven't had any help. You don't need any help. I don't right. use Photoshop filters. Right. I don't change my my pictures. I don't retouch anything. 
This is what and it is. To me, with your background, if you were able to do it, anybody can. Like, That's I didn't true. have diabetes. I didn't have a triple bypass. I mean, you've had horrific things happen to you. So to yeah. me, if you can do it, we all can do it. Any exactly. of us can do it. Exactly. That is that's the lesson. Exactly. Any of us can do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's the message of hope that I love to share. And um, it's that's what my book is about. And there was a uh, the Daily Mail, which is kind of a British tabloid. <laughs> they they did an article on me. Yes, I think it was yesterday. The Daily Mail about. She wasn't supposed to live to 40, and now she's a 66-year-old bodybuilder. It's like, that's going to give people hope. Yes. You know? If that can change one person's mind about whether or not they should start going to the gym, or maybe that particular day, they're like, I don't really want to do, okay, they read this, I'm going to the gym. Right. I love having that kind of impact. I really do. I think you will. I think you'll have a really big impact on a lot of us. And my podcast goes to a lot of different countries, something like 20 different countries. So other wow. people in other countries will be hearing it too. So they'll hear your message, which is great. And I hope they'll go out and buy your book, My Power Decade, so that they get to learn that mindset. And maybe they can, if they're not there yet, just change a little bit every day. You can just get a little bit stronger. I mean, I joined a group like, 40 some years ago and we used to meditate. It was a, an Edgar Casey group. And mm. I had a real victim mentality when I joined this group. And over the years I've just changed and grown spiritually. And I have become the person I am through that group, but it yeah. took time. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. So don't be so hard on yourself, but right. start now so that you can enjoy it later. Just start, change yeah. the mindset, do something. I like years ago, I stopped drinking soda. Uh, then I started increasing my, I did certain things little by little. And so even though I'm overweight, I'm still fairly healthy, but I want to get healthier. I want to get fitter. But uh, at 73, I'm doing way more than a lot of women my age and my kids' parents, a lot of them are dead already and yeah. I'm still here. So you know, just take baby steps, do little things, do something you can do today to help your tomorrow. And then you'll be able to do more and more as time goes by. Yeah, absolutely. That's such great advice. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been great. I love it. Please go out and get um, Julia's book. You'll certainly enjoy it. And, um, you know, go to her website and maybe join one of her programs. If you need that extra help, join one of the programs. You won't be sorry. Thank you, Terry. So great to talk to you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. This podcast is sponsored by Premier Podcast Productions. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level. 